Welcome back to Poison for Profit. I'm Nick. And my name is Zach. Today we got a couple awesome articles for everyone to listen to. Uh, some An actual update from one of our previous articles we talked about. Um, pretty interesting stuff, uh, wouldn't you say, Zach? I would say. Uh, <laughs> a lot of, um, like you said... Yeah, very good update. Well, not a good update right? <laughs> on the Keystone pipeline, no. but a um, eye-opening one, I would say. Yeah, so with that, let's just get right into the Keystone uh, oil spill update. Uh, so just a quick recap for anyone that might have missed it. December 8th? A day later. December 8th, yeah, a day later. Uh, there was a report of a spill of oil from the Keystone pipeline into a creek in northeastern Kansas. Uh, so th- we didn't know the numbers back then of how much oil was actually spilled into this creek. Uh, but now the Canadian based uh, TC Energy is reporting that 14,000 barrels of oil were spilled, which is uh, the equivalent of 588,000 gallons. So, insane amount <laughs> yeah huge spill um this keystone pipeline has also had previous spill uh, 22 previous spills this is larger than all of those spills combined so yeah since it began in 2010 in 12 years this is the this is you know a bigger release than the 12 years combined Yep, so this is a pretty serious spill. Uh, Of course, it's not just onto land or anything like that, which would be extremely terrible, but it's spilled into a creek in Washington County in Kansas. Uh, So just northwest of Kansas City, about 150 miles. Uh, Yeah, so pretty serious stuff. Um, Extremely significant spill. Not what we were hoping for <laughs> at all. Right. I mean, I, I think it was definitely downplayed to begin with, right? Right. Um, and we put that clip in at the end of the last episode. The, like, people could smell it from town, which is, you know, which, you know, into town, whatever, Washington. I think it was a town of Washington it's quite a ways away and people could smell, you know, the oil from there. So uh, there was no mention of that in the, the Hill article that we spoke of last episode. Uh, so it was, I mean, it's just much worse than I think we expected from reading that. Right. And, uh, another thing of note, we might still have another update up for this article. Uh, they still haven't disclosed the cause, at least that I have seen. Uh, I heard it was a failed weld in the pipeline. So to me, that's just either poor maintenance or it was poorly constructed to begin with. (laughs) Yeah. This is a highly pressurized pipeline, right? To move that much oil through it. Exactly. Um, for it to be caused by a failed weld points to, you know, lack of, I would say, assurance that their maintenance systems work or, you know, just carelessness. Either way, you know, this damage is, is done. It's going to take a while to clean up for sure. 
Yeah, and I thought it was yeah. interesting. They say they have the oil contained at the site of the spill with booms and uh, all of the yeah. typical equipment that they use to contain it. But it's like, yeah, but you didn't just put that out instantly. It's tons of the oil seeped into the soil, seeped into this creek and went who knows where else. Yeah, I don't know. Did you see a picture of the creek? No, is it pretty terrible? So I did see a creek. Yeah, it's like it's um, much bigger than I expected. Here, I'll send you a pic. I'll send you the tweet. But um, it's not a. Ditch. It's almost <laughs> no. Yeah, it almost looks like a you know a navigable body of water. To be honest, oh, I mean, geez. so who, who knows where the hell that went? Right. Yeah. Very. Uh, <laughs> It looked pretty bad from, you know, the pictures of the, it almost looked like on the one side, it kind of like drained down into downhill into the the stream. And on the other side, it either like sprayed at a a super high pressure Mm. uh, uphill or something. Um, But it, it looked like it covered a lot of ground and that, you know, obviously it's going into the, the creek it's gonna get you know it's gonna move away from the the spill site there um but yeah a lot of you know ecological damage i'm sure has been done and will take a long time to recover from right and i mean it's gonna be contaminating people's water sources uh their food sources i'd assume as well uh, and it just seems like uh, I feel like the, everyone's push against the Keystone XL pipeline, which was basically an expansion of this Keystone pipeline system, uh, were very much uh, warranted, <laughs> uh, especially if, I mean, this is now the 23rd spill of this pipeline in 12 years. So it just seems like a very good job on, I'd say, the U.S. government revoking the the permit for that. So oh if you, my I, God. I see, right? So you can see where it kind of flowed downhill into the creek. Yeah, I don't know what that is up. If that's like the spray, or if it just they just like burned it off or something. I don't really know. So the pipeline's going through like that tree line almost. Yeah, so it's going like yeah. I think it, it is going straight through that tree line. It and looks then the, the spill to the left of that is into the creek and then to the right it yeah, you're right. It's like it's like it exploded or I mean if it spray that's just like it covered a lot of ground. Yeah, you have to post uh, this onto our Yeah, I did retweet it. Um, yeah, look along with us on our Twitter. It's absolutely crazy. And I'll, and I did retweet another image that I'll send you right now of, um, kind of where it drained into the Creek at, and it's like thick. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Not ideal. So yeah, I mean. This is an update. It's not a, you know, encouraging update. (laughs) 
we'll see if more comes out of this. I feel like this has to set up some kind of, you know, bigger issue. Right. Right. Yeah. I, you would hope that uh, from here on out, they really add some, I'd say, more regulations to these pipelines. Uh, I mean, it just I, I just can't imagine how they they wouldn't because this is just ridiculous. I mean, the amount of damage that this costs so we can get cheaper oil, uh, just not worth it at all. But. Yeah, so it was in the town of Washington, uh, in Washington County, okay. home of about 1,100 residents and about five miles from where the spill occurred. So, you know, you can smell it from five miles away. <laughs> that is um, pretty significant yeah. release. I wonder what the air pollution, so that, I, I mean, that must mean it like almost particleized or something i don't know yeah i mean it has to be some kind of air it's i mean that's yeah it's particulate matter i Uh, I would guess it just when it was spraying out like that it just got caught up in the air and those poor people honestly were breathing it that's terrible yeah From the AP, fight to curb food waste increasingly turns to science. I mean, I've talked, I think I've talked about it on released episodes before, but like just waiting for innovation to solve issues like food waste hasn't been very effective, right? So we're talking about things like spray on peels to slow down like fruit ripening process. Uh, and sensors to more accurately label when it's safe to eat um, meats, things like that. And also, I mean, like the most trivial one is probably like moisture absorbing packets um, in takeout boxes to keep food like crispy, fried chicken, fries, things like that. Uh, but really, I mean, like, I mean, there's one thing to to slow down ripening process, right? Like this these fruits are going to be sitting in supermarkets and stuff. So, I mean, it has its, it has its value. Although, you know, I think a lot of people would probably be hesitant if they knew that all their fruit had this synthetic, you know, chemical on it, chemical sprayed (laughs) on it. Just, just like, yeah, stop it from going bad, I guess to preserve it. Basically it's, it's a food preservative, right? Did we talk about this before about U.S. food waste and how, like, thirty-five percent of available food goes unsold or uneaten in the U.S.? Uh, I don't know if we've released an episode on it, but I know we we've talked about it uh, in the past. But that yeah, that's a crazy number. It's in yeah, two hundred twenty-nine million pounds or million, million tons. Sorry, of uh, food that goes into stores and is available to eat ends up you know thrown out in one way or another uh, and that's equated to about 418 billion dollars worth <laughs> 418 billion dollars worth and now we've got these kind of food uh, food waste startups looking for these different solutions 
and in 2021 they raised 4.8 billion which is like a tenth right of the total amount wasted or no it's like a hundredth of <laughs> of the you know value wasted by uneaten food it's one thing to try to make all these different scientific advancements to to get food to be bought and eaten yep at the right rate or make it last longer anything like that um i think in my opinion all you have to do is plan where you're sending it especially with stuff like produce right mm-hmm. and i think especially in you know upper class and upper middle class like income uh groups that there's probably a lot more food waste going on i know like even myself i don't eat all the food i buy i, I try I'm, i try to like you know i go to the grocery store like twice a week now to to buy shit so i don't like buy stuff that i don't eat because it's wasting my it's like it's wasting money and food at the same time but you know that's besides the the free market for things like food is just a total disaster because it paves the way for this kind of waste and this kind of uh discrepancy between income groups right i don't know i don't have the number in front of me of like how many kids go hungry like you know what i mean like but we know it's a huge number that's a lot of kids their only meal of the day is at school yeah it's like one in nine or something i've seen a commercial for it or something right right um so it's definitely like it's a huge issue and um to know that 35 percent of all food isn't you know eaten by anybody um it's not exactly uh comforting right um right they're saying uh 50 or sorry five hundred thousand pounds could be diverted from landfills with high-tech packaging uh and (laughs) we're talking about so 500,000 pounds. Let me just uh, calculate this out. And we've got 229 million tons. Uh, Shoot, I don't even know how I can read this number as a percentage. Um, Oh my God. Times what do I have to time it by a hundred? Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. I need it in a decimal format. What the fuck, man? Uh, Show me the decimal. Okay, it's um zero point zero 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 one percent of food waste can be saved with just high tech packaging. Uh that's so I mean, much. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, why is this the focus? I don't right. know. I, I, I just always think it's like one of those things. Where, like I go to the store now and I get people eat different things. But like I go to the store and I see these exotic fruits and vegetables. Like I am such a pusher for eating what can be grown or raised near you. Uh, because like a lot of the time that this fruit or vegetable like the reason it's expiring so quickly on your shelf is because it's not grown here. It's coming from 
you know, so, so far away. So you have like a day or two to eat it. And then from there, it just goes bad. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I I mean, it definitely takes a long time in transit, right? To get to shelves. I I agree completely. How is this the focus? How is the packaging the focus? What should be the focus is people, I, I think, getting more in touch with what actually can be grown where they're living. Uh, which the way you can do this is a CSA, which is community supported agriculture. A lot of local farmers put these out. They, you sign up, you pay X amount of money. Uh, I've seen them anywhere from a hundred to like $400 and you get each month or depending on the CSA, you can, sometimes they're more frequent or less frequent, but you'll get, uh, items that that farm has produce so you'll maybe get Mm -hmm. milk and honey and strawberries and all things like that uh but you only get it when that farm is growing it and i just think that's a good way for people to kind of realize hey like these strawberries are clearly coming from who knows where uh or been sprayed with a ton of chemicals to make it so that way they're (laughs) still ripe looking or still uh, you know, the correct color. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a good point. I mean, like eating locally grown food is probably the best way to, to, you know, um, be sustainable in your own way. Right. Um, I think, you know, also just buy what you know, you're going to eat. Right. For sure. Um, and I understand like the appeal of not going to the grocery store like every other day. Um, I think in a lot of other countries, like, and it's talked about a lot, like other countries have just a different relationship with food and their meals than the U S does. I think it's kind of evidenced by like fast food stuff like that. But, um, a lot of other countries, people like go to the supermarket every day to buy their dinner or whatever um i mean it it's a better meal i think it's guaranteed fresh right if you do that yep uh i think you know if um there's no way to really prevent food waste with kind of the the current system we have um (laughs) it's i know like like at some point, if you don't want there to be food waste, people have to have things planned for them, or like you know the distribution process has to be planned in some way. Yeah. Um, until then, like this shit's not going to change. Yeah, exactly. I, I it's a pretty radical idea for Americans, but that's just the reality of it. Yeah, and like, I don't know. I feel like a lot of people typically first go to, oh, well, you can feed the homeless with it. Or you can. <laughs> yeah, right. It. And it's like, this is just far too much. Like, they, the food banks would be, I'd, I'd assume, overwhelmed with food. Yeah, I mean, they're like, grocery stores just throw their shit away, too. Uh, like, it's not all people, you know, buying it and not eating it. Grocery stores just throw things away. And you can't, like, you can, like you said, give it to homeless shelters and things like that. 
but I don't know. I feel like the energy is better spent planning it for it to be sent to the homeless shelter first, right? Instead of relying on fucking Kroger to do the right thing. Right. Exactly. It's, it just doesn't, I just don't feel like there's a good solution besides limiting the amount. Yeah. Or, I mean, in a way it is limiting, right? But it's like, yeah. it's not reducing what somebody's going to eat because of it. Right. It's right. It's literally making it, uh, equitable. I would say for lack of a better term, but like not allowing people to buy more than they're ever going to eat before it goes bad. Right. Right. And how in the hell do you tell someone? <laughs> and you can't do that because yeah. you don't know like how much they're, how many people they're buying for, you know, how many people are in the household. Uh, it's impossible to really tell without some level, some level of what people, I guess, would call like authoritarian control, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely what it would be called if there was anything like that. If they Even, said, oh, Zach, you have two people in your household. You get one box of strawberries. But yeah, I I don't know. I don't know how how to truthfully take any, like, get anything done about this besides hoping or pushing people to buy what they know they're going to use. Yeah. I mean, I guess the, the point I want to make about this and food waste in general is that it is, it's, you know, a inescapable product of the free market, right? Mm. Of not limiting people's personal freedoms to buy whatever they want and how much of whatever they want. And I feel like one last thing I want to say is that even if, like you're you let's just say stick with the example you get one box of strawberries there's still going to be weeks that that box of strawberries goes bad so like yeah. eliminating food waste altogether is i feel like a fool's errand uh but definitely doing taking steps to reduce your personals mm-hmm. a, a huge step yeah Gosh, dude, I feel like we ha- that that one is very interesting, and I just want there to be a good answer, but I don't feel like we have a good answer for it. No, I mean, like, I mean, the society we live in a society, uh, right? Exactly. Um, and the society we live in, there's no like win-win answer for this, right? Yeah, because. I guess I'd rather have our, I I guess I'd rather, I don't know. It's hard to say. I'd rather not go hungry. So I guess it's a little bit of a good thing that we have excess, but what extent do you want an excess? And there's hungry people. Right. Zach, knock, knock. Who's there? Monsanto is back. Oh, fuck. <laughs> uh, so, I love Monsanto stories. <laughs> My favorite thing to cover is because it's like 
oh it's so clear like who the bad guy is it's so easy very very often so easy to see who the bad guy is uh in monsanto is they've got a pretty good history of saying we're not the bad guy <laughs> Uh, and also doing whatever they can to uh, minimize their involvement or knowledge of how bad of a company they are. Uh, now they're Bayer, though. Now Bayer is the one denying being bad. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's gone, f- you know, they think that came with buying up Monsanto. They just. Yeah. <laughs> but this is like, this is kind of, so this one kind of twisted my mind a little bit because they're still suing so you'll get into it but they're suing monsanto but bears the one kind of answering these allegations or right. i'll let you get into it yeah that confused me a little bit too yeah but i'll get into it so what's going on is a school district up in burlington vermont is suing monsanto uh for the presence of pcbs which is polychlorinated biphenyls uh which i'm sure Everyone's kind of sort of heard of PCBs, but not really. Cause cancer, right? Yeah, they're cancer causing, uh, endocrine disrupting, reproduction uh, disrupting. So they're uh, extremely common in the environment. I've heard them be called like the brother and sister. The brother and sisters for PCBs is lead and asbestos. So. I feel like a lot of people know about lead and asbestos, uh, but PCBs. Is, I was just going to ask what they're used for. It's like fireproofing, yeah. right? Yep. So they're used. They have a whole ton of uses uh, there. But the reason that they're in the school more than likely is construction materials that they were used for. Uh, so that could be anything from like tiling. Um, they use it a lot in caulking. Uh, cable insulation, fluorescent light ballasts. There's also some like oil that they were added to for motors, hydraulic systems, transformers and capacitors. Uh, They used it in floor finishes. So basically this was at the time they called it the new miracle chemical. Uh, which I'm sure a lot of you have heard of these miracle chemicals. They never seem to turn out too well. Yeah, there's been a lot of them for sure, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Teflon was one, you know, you couldn't stick anything to that pan, but it definitely gave you cancer. Uh, The miracle is, um, yeah, dying of cancer, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, but so getting a little bit, so that's what PCBs are. Uh, They have been uh, banned by the EPA since 1979, uh, but they were uh, domestically manufactured from 1929 until that ban. So the biggest problem with this is a lot of the building and construction that happened in that time period. So the Burlington School District is suing, as I said, Monsanto for... Uh, this presence of PCBs in their school. The school has been closed since 2020 for this high level of PCB uh, that was found. Uh, The reason they're going after Monsanto, they're responsible for the manufacture of 99% or more of all the PCBs used or sold in the United States. 
So they're more than likely the ones that uh, produce these PCBs. Uh, so in the claim that the, the district claims that Mon had Monsanto adequately warned the district prior to construction of the school buildings, the district would not have allowed the use of construction materials with PCBs in the construction process. So I was a little bit curious. So when was this school built? Uh, this school was built in 1964. So about... 15 years before the cutoff of PCBs. Um, but I don't know what you think, Zach. I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this. How, what do you think about uh, them going after Monsanto for this? Uh, you think that they are at fault for, for this? Oh, for I mean, using PCBs in their uh, construction process? I think, yeah, I mean, well, the issue with a lot of these, like, like you referred to them, miracle compounds or, or chemicals, whatever you said, um, is that there's this uh, misconception from the user's point of view that they're safe, right? That, that that's right. not going to cause some kind of uh, life-threatening illness or anything. And a lot of these times, Monsanto especially with things like roundup which is linked to non-hodgkin lymphoma um they purposely don't test for things like that as a sort of plausible deniability uh right so mm -hmm. and the, the epa didn't really ask them to do that for whatever reason um you know basically negligence in my opinion but I mean, I think they definitely should be held responsible for, for, you know, not just this, but releasing all their uh, life-threatening products into the world, right? Exactly. Um, yeah. And like you said, 99% of PCBs were manufactured by Monsanto. Uh, so chances are overwhelming chances are that that's just where they came from um and it's kind of i mean i'm i'm just reading this response from bayer saying district official uh that this this allegation has no merit um and it should shed light on the role of the state of vermont burlington school district and manufacturers of the building products um as to their unwarranted actions uh, that they didn't need to basically move the students out and build a new school for them. They could have uh, let them stay there and be exposed to this, right? That's, I mean, that's the way I read it, at least. Yeah, they're just saying it's the school basically was negligent in this case. It was the school's fault. It's the school's fault for spending that money um, <laughs> and that they shouldn't be responsible for whatever reason but yeah i mean it's in all these different uh building materials right uh like you said caulking flooring paint um, coolant paint sealants uh so uh i mean there's so many different avenues of exposure but you know back to your original point um 
do I think they it's a, do I think that it's a good move to try to hold Monsanto specifically accountable in a word? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you'd say that, but I just wanted to hear your, <laughs> your side of it. Um, yeah. So, and also interesting in this as well, the teachers of this school are also suing. Uh, so they filed their lawsuit a little bit ago. They filed it in October uh, for basically the same reasons, but for their specific health uh, effects from being in this school. Just another you know, piece of this puzzle. So not only is that school district suing basically what they'd like to do, to do with the money that they get from that suit is build a new school. Makes sense to me. Uh, and then these teachers that have been in the school are just suing to obviously uh, get their health taken care of. <laughs> and, you know, medical bills are no joke. So to help alleviate that stress. So some of the teachers have had all the issues we've talked about from reproductive issues, uh, endocrine disorders, neurological issues, just. Yeah, I'm seeing well, uh, one teacher experienced two miscarriages yeah. and then gave birth to an underweight child, a premature child. I mean, with, with issues of its own or their own. Um, I mean, just like, it's not only affecting these people, but also the next generation, which is heartbreaking. Yeah. I would say. Sad. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then just another, uh, tidbit is Monsanto has faced at least 700 lawsuits related to PCB pollution. Uh, some significant ones were brought by the cities of San Diego, San Francisco, and Spokane. Um, in June of 2020, the company agreed to pay $550 million into a fund distributed between more than 2,000 members and cities in a U.S. class action lawsuit. So, They've already, in my mind, kind of admitted that they were at fault with that. <laughs> uh, so it's just kind of surprising. Well, not surprising because it's Monsanto to hear them defending themselves and saying, yeah. pushing the blame onto the school. But that seems pretty much, uh, yeah, pretty much their, you know, their bread and butter. That's what they go for usually. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's just kind of their playbook, right? Uh, right. They did. They do it with glyphosate, um, where like just case after case. Uh, uh, now they're being um, settled, but like of juries finding that Roundup and Ranger Pro, which is yeah, were Monsanto's um, glyphosate-based herbicide, and is is causing or is is a primary cause of non-Hodgkin lymphoma and people um, of, you know, heavy users of it, which they were under the impression that it was safe because it's always been advertised as safe, right? Um, but, you know, and they're still denying but Bayer now is still denying that there's any harm to glyphosate or Roundup while they're, you know, taking it off the residential market at the same time. Right. And it's just again and again, why would you ever listen to 
what was Monsanto <laughs> and is now Bayer. Oh, yeah. I mean, after you, I mean, so I finally finished the Monsanto papers and it's like <laughs> no reason to ever trust anything they say at face value ever. I, I mean, that's like sadly most companies I would also, I mean, Monsanto is egregious don't get <laughs> i'm not putting all companies in with monsanto but most companies they're in it for money their whole goal is to make money at the end of the day they don't care who's getting cancer they don't care who's not able to have children they don't care about any of that they're trying to sell you these products they're trying to get as much profit as possible while ignoring the science and the potential health risks and a lot of the times it's under the the guise of improving people's lives too right right um which is what you know the biotech industry in particular like monsanto's and 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 syngenta's people who make you know agricultural um chemicals things like that that do have health implications um and then they you know turn around and, and, it, and it comes out that maybe these things aren't so safe um and they'll just deny it and deny it and deny it uh while people still get sick from it yeah exactly um but that's about all i had for this one i was just gonna end it off with uh whenever anyone tells you they have a new miracle compound or chemical run far far away <laughs> that's good <laughs> advice Lawmakers are accusing big oil of years-long disinformation effort. This is coming from the, uh, I believe it's the House of Representatives Oversight Committee, who is, uh, for I think a few years now, been looking into oil and gas industry and their... Uh, quote-unquote efforts at reducing emissions. Uh, and they found and released a report on the fossil fuel industry, what they say publicly, to support climate action does not really align with uh, the things that they say and do privately to reduce emissions, which I'm sure is coming as a huge shock to anybody who is you know familiar with with the industry or with you know corporations in general you know i don't i think people will probably be pretty surprised to know that not all companies are doing the things they say they're doing oh uh, yeah i'm just absolutely astonished i can't believe that at all <laughs> well it gets worse <laughs> oh great uh well, not worse, I guess. It, it gets the same. But I'll go into some... I'll, I'll, <laughs> One second. <laughs> Fucking dumb. Scout didn't like you laughing. No, that. she did not. Uh, so BP, for example, has announced plans uh, that they would reach carbon neutrality by 2050. Somehow. Uh, I don't think they posted any specifics on that. It would have it that internal documents show that those plans that they have do not align with those carbon neutral plans. 
I'm just, I can't believe that a uh, oil company <laughs> is not going to be carbon neutral <laughs> or net yeah. zero company. Yeah. 28 years from now. Yeah. They're not going to be carbon neutral, which like uh, isn't even a great goal to begin. Right. With. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's like 20 in 28 years. We'll get there guys. Right. And it's like net zero for a company like BP. What does that even mean? They're an oil company. Carbon neutrality. Yeah. And we talked about that with COP27, right? This uh, carbon capture and storage credit plan that they have. Right. And like buying fucking wooden furniture can count towards that. So it really doesn't mean anything to be carbon neutral in a sense. Right. And uh, even like the idea of planting trees to get you to that carbon neutrality. Like a tree compared to a gallon of gasoline getting burnt. I don't know what the, the actual ratio that they have to do is, but right. And it would take to keep up. It would take decades to right. yeah to for that to level out. So yeah, I mean carbon neutrality. I guess in my mind isn't really a thing. I guess if you're an oil company, especially right when you have such devastating effects to the environment as is yeah it's hard to uh see how you can actually benefit or get close to being an okay company (laughs) yeah and that you know that carbon capture and storage is the thing that they're even in this article is when they ask you know the spokespeople of fossil fuel companies they say, oh, they're misrepresenting. Oh, we get, we can do carbon capture. Oh, we can do this. No, you're not even planning on doing that. This is what they're talking about. Uh, so, like, with BP still, their vice president of engineering uh, is quoted saying that BP had no obligation to minimize greenhouse gas emissions and that the company should only minimize greenhouse gas emissions where it makes commercial sense or is required by code or fits into a regional strategy. None of this has anything to do with any sort sort of responsibility felt by them or any kind of, you know, wanting to do the right thing. Right. Like there's no such thing as corporate sacrifice. That's not in their, you know, playbook at all. <laughs> it's not. Yeah. It's not in their. <laughs> it's not even in their like concept of, existence right like it's like making up a word and then using it casually in a conversation it's like oh what is what is that um and it is i mean especially with fossil fuel it's never been a thing and you can see it like with i mean like i don't want to like go into the implications of gas prices and stuff like that but like they're they're making record profits right off of fuel shortages and things like that. Yep. Um, they're definitely not ethically beyond taking responsibility for their emissions or, you know, avoiding taking responsibility for their emissions. Uh, with Chevron, another example, there was a strategy slide presented to the um, board of directors by the CEO uh, and that Chevron, while it sees traditional energy competitors retreating from oil and gas, their company strategy is to continue to invest in fossil fuels to take advantage of consolidation in the industry. So, like, 
continue to invest means put more money in, right? It's not like, yeah, we'll just, you know, take over what, what gap people leave us and it'll, it'll like naturally slide to us. It's like, no, they're going to go after it. They're going to continue pushing the causes of climate change. Right. They're not, they're not going to do the same or just be right. normal. It's not, they're, they're pushing for more oil and gas is what that reads to me. Yeah. For their own profits. Yeah. Right. Um, 2016, which was the same, uh, year that the Paris agreement, uh, was formed BP executive, uh, and then chairman and president of BP America, John, I want to get this right. Minge, <laughs> Minge, I don't know. Uh, uh, said that, you know, they purposely have an obstructionist strategy with regulators said that they don't wait for, or they do, all they do is wait for rules to come out. And if they don't like what they see, then they try to resist and to block, um, real legislation on that same thing with with exxon they, they had a spokesperson in this which i mean is there a more made-up position than spokesperson of any like <laughs> you know what i mean it's like yeah if you okay if you're hiring somebody just for like to not make your company look bad in the media <laughs> it's like first of all you you probably a pretty shit company but it's like fake 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 job fake position uh, and I actually looked it up his his um, LinkedIn. And he worked in some fucking miserable positions, too. It was like <laughs> just some like very, I would say some 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 organizations that aren't exactly um, beacons of of creating a better planet, like a government affairs director for BP. Um, he was the deputy of the media operations center for the Department of Defense in Baghdad, which I just laughed. It's like I don't know if there's like a less popular um, project in world history than you know America's involvement in Iraq, right? But besides, like maybe the Vietnam War or something. But but yeah, I mean, like I guess he was. He was, he was a military, they call him an officer, but he's like all these on all these like media operations, public affairs officers, like totally made up position, right? Oh my gosh. Uh, a lot of requests for internal documents obviously were resisted being sent to this government committee or were heavily redacted by companies and they didn't specify any reasons for withholding the information which they're supposed to um i mean it's just all clear signs of them covering kind of knowing no yeah covering up knowing they're in the wrong and trying to cover it up yeah yeah but i mean like no big surprise right um yeah it's kind of one of those things where it's like you knew this was going on but it's now nice to actually be like yep it is going on and was going on uh we have the data and the evidence. Well, like, yeah, I mean, it's the House of Representatives, right? It's Congress. Like, right. Even if you don't have the data, the, the obvious effort to cover up this information or like not 
expose this information by the industry should be enough to be like, yeah, this shit is happening. Um, we should do something about it. <laughs> That does it for this episode of Poison for Profit. Thank you for listening. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it. We certainly enjoyed talking about this stuff for you. Um, even though, you know, that's not good stuff. We still enjoy, <laughs> we still enjoy uh, bringing it to you and, and, and discussing it. Uh, I will, of course, link the Twitter and email in the show notes along with the articles we covered tonight. Please follow. Please uh, review the podcast wherever you listen to it. Uh, send us articles. All that. We would love to hear from you. Yep. Any questions, comments, concerns? Uh do your reviews on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Uh, well, okay, really we're still not, <laughs> we're not still on not Apple. on Apple. Do not do a review on Apple Podcasts. That is not you are not <laughs> listening to the right podcast you if still you're there. Found your, your <laughs> no, password. Bro. So okay, so I I'm trying to regain. <laughs> I tried to get it like. Two weeks ago, they're like, "We'll call you on the 14th with a code." What the like hell? I'm the, like I'm in the fucking CIA or something. They can't just send me a, a link. Uh, oh, yeah. God. So if you're listening to this after, uh, let's say December 15th, then yeah, then you can review on Apple Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Until then, yeah, you're not going to be listening to it there anyway. So <laughs> wherever you are listening to it, go ahead and review. Yep. Um, and always thank you guys for listening. Talk to you next time. Keep in mind, this leak was found last week. The company that owns the pipeline, TC Energy, estimates that the spill is nearly 590,000 gallons. The cause of the spill is still under investigation. 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 Still